Well, good morning, church. It's good to be here on this Sunday morning. Sean is out of town, so you're stuck with me this morning. Um, this is my son, Blake, and I just asked him to pray for us uh, before we get started this morning. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this time that we get to spend time at church. And I know it's kind of hard online, but we still can have church here. And so I just thank you, and we hope that today will be a good day and that my dad will not fail and he will <laughs> do good and make it so that this will be one of the best days of church you guys have ever had. Thank you. Amen. Well done. That I don't fail. You find your seat over there. That I don't fail. The innocent prayers of a child. That's awesome. Um, hey, this morning we're going to be in uh, Matthew chapter 11, kind of a really classic verse, uh, verses 28 through 30, but I'm actually just going to focus on three little words. And I'm actually going to just do something different than, than what I've normally done. I mean, I've only shared here a few times, but um, it's, it's, it's going to be more of a, an outline and a, a bullet point and very topical, trying to tackle a subject that um, uh, is something I've been walking through really my whole life, but I don't think it really gets addressed in a, in a church setting too often. Um, and so I'd like to do that. So we're going to just get started and kind of plow through uh, this morning. And what I'm going to be talking about really is, is this idea that goes all the way back to the, early, to the time of Jesus and the early church fathers, um, this idea of spiritual formation. Um, and it's something that's not really talked about. It can actually be kind of confusing to some people. But in Matthew uh, chapter 11, verse 28, uh, Jesus says, "'Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me,' or excuse me, "'take my yoke upon you,' uh, and here it is, "'and learn from me. Learn from me.'" Another translation says, "'Learn of me,' or "'let me teach you.'" Another translation says, "'Walk with me and work with me.'" Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced, I, I love this language, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I love that. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is life. So that phrase, when Jesus says, learn from me or learn of me, can mean either one or, one or two things or maybe both. And one is that Jesus is saying, hey, learn of me, or learn from me as your teacher, or learn of me as your subject. So in one sense, man, we're learning from Jesus as he's our master. We're apprenticing under him. But then is it, or also could it be that he's saying, hey, learn me as your subject. Man, as we read the Bible and we study it um, and read outside books outside the Bible, we're actually learning about who God is and who Jesus is. Is and, and I, I think in, in the process of like discipleship and spiritual formation, um, it's both. Um, I think sometimes though we can, we can err on one side or the other, we don't get a good balance of both. And so um, how do we fulfill both statements? How do we fulfill both questions? How do we become healthy sheep that are able to walk out of the overflow of what Jesus is doing in our life? And I believe a big part of the answer um, 
or a lot of it uh, is being aware of or stepping into or pursuing in our own personal life what is called spiritual formation in the Christian tradition. And traditionally, um, I think as a church throughout the, the years, man, we focus so much on discipleship, 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 or training, 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 that um, we get that one side of things and we forget about what's known as soul care, what's, what, what's going on in the innermost part of our being. And man, I, as a Christian, you know, and when I got saved, that was kind of the story of my life was, man, I, I just, I started serving, serving, serving and discipleship. I was in discipleship groups and training, training. I was doing all this stuff, going to all these conferences, but man, I just, my inner life was, man, my, my walk with Jesus was like that deep as far as my personal relationship with him. And, and so I, th- I think that um, w- what I've seen um, is that this idea of soul care has kind of been lost um, in, our, in our more recent years. And I also think, that, and maybe it's because I work with college students, so they're just coming into this age where they really don't know who they are at all, even though they've grown up in the church. And so they're just discovering all this, this stuff of who they are. Um, it is fascinating, kind of a, almost like a test uh, a subject, Chuck Smith, the founder of Calvary Chapel, uh, Calvary Chapel Corpus, Calvary Chapel denomination, did something different. He grew up in a denomination and was a pastor for many years where he would just try to get the, the body to do stuff. Evangelism, evangelistic messages, bring people in, do all this stuff. But he didn't see growth. He didn't see multiplication happen. He didn't see discipleship happen. And there was one day where he's like, you know what? I think what I should do is simply what Jesus maybe kind of... T- part of my calling, if not a big part of my calling, is simply feed the sheep. Simply feed the sheep. And he started to do that. And he started to realize that, okay, if, if I start to feed the sheep, if I have healthy sheep in the body, healthy sheep reproduce healthy sheep. And so that's when he started to see his body grow. Discipleship naturally started to happen. He actually said this. He said, he said when he started doing this, He said Christ became their life. Witnessing wasn't something they were doing anymore. It was something that they were. I love that, right? We don't ever want to do stuff for Jesus out of obligation or guilt or, oh, I just feel like it's the Christian thing to do. Man, I want to do it because it's out of the overflow of my heart. And so there's something to be said about you know, whether it's my job or Sean's job or whoever gets up on Sunday morning, that we make sure that, man, you guys are healthy. But then there's your responsibility as people, as the body of Christ, to feed yourself and to take care of your own soul, or what's again known as soul care. And there's um, this one scripture, there's many, but in 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, And we all, because we're made in the image of God, we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, and here it is, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord. Okay, so there's this process that we're supposed to go through that we're being formed or transformed over time into the image of Christ. That's the big thing. That's spiritual formation. So here's a, I'm going to give you several definitions of spiritual formation. Um, and then I'm going to want to look at some of the problems that people might have with it. Uh, and, and then we'll kind of close with just two basic foundational things Uh, with spiritual formation that you can kind of walk away with. But spiritual formation, bare bones definition, and some of you might recognize this. Spiritual formation is the, and notice the progression, is the process 
of being conformed, which should be a slide, should be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ for the glory of God, for the sake of others. Okay, so notice the process. Next slide. It is a, there's kind of four steps to this almost. It's a process of being formed in the image of Christ for the sake of others. So notice the progression. That's super important because a lot of times, again, we, I grew up in a tradition where it was mainly focused on this. For the sake of others, go, 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 go. Train, 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 train. Discipleship, discipleship, discipleship. And there was very little focus on this. I mean, I remember being given a, uh, a piece of paper when I first got saved and it had all to do with my identity. Everything, like 20 or 30 some things with like your child of God, co-heir of Christ, all these things. But it was more given to me like this, like, hey, here you go. This is who you are in Christ. And, walk, and I'd read like, oh, okay. But it, it just didn't sink in. I didn't, I think the way it was given to me wasn't realizing like that, that, that's, that that's here. That, that should be number one or two in the list of Christian discipleship is really getting grounded in who you are in Christ. And, uh, and so just notice that this active part um, is actually last in the process. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't reach out. I'm not saying that, hey, wait until you get formed before you do something. Don't hear me say that. I'm just saying that, man, th- th- there, is a ma- there should be a massive emphasis on these first three, okay? It's a process of being formed in the image of Christ for the sake of others. So what I want to do is just... Get, uh, read off a couple other definitions. One by, first one is by Dallas Willard. Um, just to put some more beat. Because we can read this and be like, what is that? Okay, what does that mean? I mean, and there's books upon books. There's seminary classes given to this, right? This is a lifelong process. So here's what Dallas Willard says about spiritual formation. Just going to put some meat around the bones of that. He says, spiritual formation, which would be another slide, spiritual formation in the tradition of Jesus Christ is the process, so there it is again, the process of transformation. Now here's where he includes some stuff. Of the inmost dimension of the human being, the heart, which is the same as the spirit or will. Next slide. It is being formed or really transformed in such a way, and I love this, I love this part, in such a way that its natural expression comes to be the deeds of Christ done in the power of Christ, okay? So again, what he's saying there is that, man, it should be out of the overflow of this inner work, of this inner transformation that is happening. Okay, next one is by Banning Leipscher. Uh, it's not as kind of point one, two, three, but it's, you'll get the idea. Your heart is your point of connection with Jesus. So when he's talking about the heart in Hebrew scripture, it's talking about the mind, heart, soul, everything. It's called the seat of our emotions, the seat of our will, so to speak. But it includes everything. It's not just this romantic, mystical side of who we are. Your heart is the point of connection with Jesus. The place where you become rooted in your relationship with him. He wants to develop his, I love this, heart-to-heart connection with you to the point where you become fully united with him, And that, there, there's a theological term called union with Christ, right? That we're to become one with Christ. United with him where you think like he thinks, want what he wants, speak like he speaks, and do what he does. I love that. That's kind of the goal of spiritual formation. So you can kind of see in each of those quotes just this sense of like, 
wow, coming to this pinnacle. But we got to remember it's a process. Um, I have one more quote, but it's not on a slide. I just want to read it to you just for overkill. Um, spiritual formation is the process of sanctification. So that word sanctification simply means that the moment we receive Jesus, the moment we die, we don't stop growing in Christ. That our whole life is to be given to this idea and this thought that we are to be made over time more and more into the image of Christ. That is the process of sanctification, which God uses in every circumstance in a saint's life for the purpose of conforming them to the image of Christ and making them into loving members of his family. Okay? So, if we simply look at like the life of David, David didn't just show up at the castle in Jerusalem and like all of a sudden become like start growing, right? Most of us know that story and know that, man, it started when he was a shepherd hanging out in the fields by himself day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. That's when it started. He was in this process of being formed and made into the leader that he became way back when he was a child. Okay? So th this isn't something that just, just happens all of a sudden or that God, all of us, you know, a lot of us, we tend to wait until God zaps us with something, you know, and, and like, oh, I've arrived. It doesn't happen that way. It doesn't happen that way. So it starts early on. There's one ch uh, church church, uh, that I follow quite, quite a bit, uh, Bridgetown up in Portland. And th their motto um, and, and their church um, really focuses almost every Sunday, in some sense, on spiritual formation. They've really gone a different route. Um, but they simply say this. Their goal is to, for, for each individual in the church is to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did in that order. To be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and then you do what Jesus did. And again, a lot of times I think we get that somewhat backwards where we just kind of say, go do what Jesus did. You know, but we're like, I don't even know what I believe. You know, you can have a person that's gone to church for 20, 30, 40 years, but inwardly, man, they're just messed up. They don't know who they are. They got these issues, man, that they've never dealt with before. Okay? And so the inner person needs to be uh, formed in the image of Jesus. So, there are, I've got, there's probably more or maybe less, but I've just kind of thought of six kind of problems that people have had with spiritual formation or blockages that they have towards spiritual formation. Um, so I'm just going to go through each one really quickly, quickly. So number one, there tends to be sometimes a negative reaction to that term spiritual formation. It kind of gets mixed up with discipleship. Um, it can just be a misunderstanding of, of just not really knowing what it is. It's mysterious. Um, yeah, there can just be these negative reactions and people get confused um, to the point where some people might think it's, you know, unbiblical or new agey, all this stuff. Man, this goes way back to the early church fathers and again, the time of Jesus. Um, number two, um, the church tends to be static rather than dynamic, okay? Static rather than dynamic. And what I mean by that is that, you know, church tends to be simply spectator, right? We tend to just kind of come on a Sunday morning um, and receive, and there's no participation, there's no ownership, and, and that's totally fine on a Sunday morning, but most people's Christianity, um, if you look at a circle with a pie chart of all the things that should go in an individual's life, most of a person's spirituality is probably wrapped up in that Sunday morning gathering, and then maybe there's a little bit there for 
you know, what you do throughout the week when it should be the other way around. Sunday morning church should take up just a small part of the pie, right? Should be just a small part of the pie where the rest of our life is, it should be dynamic, man. Should be interacting and learning and growing and witnessing and all that stuff. Um, There's a guy, Robert Muholland, who wrote a book called Invitation to the Journey. Highly recommend it. It's like Spiritual Formation 101. But he says this, and this will be up here. He said, much of contemporary Christian spirituality tends to be, tends to view the spiritual life as a static possession rather than a dynamic and ever-developing growth toward wholeness in the image of Christ. When spiritually, when spirituality is viewed as a static possession, the way to spiritual wholeness is seen as an acquisition. Here's the American church. The acquisition of information and techniques that enabled us to gain possession of the desired state of spirituality. Um, and that's the endless quest of techniques, methods, programs by which we hope to attain spirituality. Okay, so just, um, yeah, our, our Christian life should not be that of simply gaining information. That's not going to do it for us, right? There needs to be an actual um, process that we go through, okay? Number three, spiritual formation is seen as an add-on. Again, Robert Muholland says that this isn't a slide, but he says this, our spiritual, and I want to make this really clear, Man, our spirituality is not an add-on, okay? It's not an add-on, something you add on to your Christian life. And our spirituality, Robert Mahon says this, it is the very essence of our being. Whoa, if that's true, then I think we should really step back and really analyze like, okay, well, how am I li- what am I doing walking this Christian life out? How am I doing this? What am I doing Uh, in my Christian life. And man, if it's supposed to be the very essence of my being, the sense of spiritual formation, man, what am I doing? And again, at the end, I'm going to just give you a couple, uh, hopefully nuggets that you can walk away with. And again, maybe just something to spark your, uh, a journey that God might want you to go on. But our spirituality is not an add-on. Don't view it as on. It's the very essence of our being. Number four, rubs against our instant gratification culture. (laughs) <laughs> or what Pete Scazzaro says, God's slow ways, right? We live in a culture, I ordered it on Amazon, and if I pay a little extra money, you know what? It'll be here by tomorrow. That is not how God works. Now, every once in a while, God will do something, right? Just boom, whoa, he provided. Money shows up on the doorstep, whatever, jobs provided, something happens. So I'm not saying that God doesn't do that, but most of the time in the inner life, man, it is a long slow process and we want it to go like that we want it to go like this oh i'm growing in wholeness in the image of christ in all reality it's kind of like this oh boom you know it's this jagged you know rock climbing up to the top of the mountain so it has a lot of ups and downs and and valleys but it does rub against our instant gratification culture um And once we understand spiritual formation as a process, you will understand, you'll begin to understand that all of life is involved in this process, in this process of spiritual formation. Number five, it rubs against our do-it-yourself culture and our, and listen to this, our powerful need to be in control of our existence, right? Ooh, 
This is the American way. And I'm going to come back to this at the very end. Man, it rubs against our culture of do-it-yourself, man. The cultural philosophy of today is that man is no more than what he makes of himself. Your identity, for the most part, is wrapped up in your job, okay? That's what a lot of people live by, is who they are by what they do, okay? This existence is what defines me, is what this philosophy says. This existence is what defines me. Or, I define myself. I mean, that is a message of today. You define yourself, you make yourself, you express yourself, and that totally leaves out God. And man, we got to be careful as the American, you know, entrepreneurial people we are. We need to be careful. We don't get sucked into that lie. Man, it's not the world that defines us. It's not the voices of the world that define us. It's not the, the friends that we have that define us. It's not the job that defines us. And we need to, because we live in a culture where, man, we have so much control over our lives. I mean, we can control every aspect of our lives with our phone. And we need to understand that, um, that that's a problem. Um, and I don't, I think if a lot of us were to be asked if we have control issues, I don't think we would. Um, and I would be one of those people until I went to counseling. I started seeing a counselor and I realized I have control issues. Um, and so this rubs against our, our culture. Um, and then the last thing is we want God to zap us. I think I, so for many years, man, I was so undisciplined as a young Christian in college. And, and I would just say, God, give me the discipline. God, give me that. Never answered that prayer. Still hasn't answered that prayer. Man, you know, I just, something I just need to work at. Um, but a lot of times we just want God to zap us in that worship moment, take care of all of our problems, free us from that addiction. And I want to make it really clear, like, man, I've had powerful experiences with God where God has shown up and just, boom, devastated me in some way, in a good way, devastate, in a good way. He's rocked my world. He's come to me in a moment of prayer or worship or a sermon, convicted me, whatever it might be. So, man, God does in times come in absolute power. Uh, man, he, if you know anything about my story, man, he freed me when I got saved from, you know, drug addiction. I mean, just gone, okay? So I don't want to discount the fact that God can do something in a miracle of a moment. But there are a lot of things um, that, that, again, it goes back to it just takes time, that, that God's not going to just zap us every time. The problem with that kind of mentality is that you tend to just sit. Again, go back to being static and not doing anything. You tend to just sit there and think, oh, until God answers this prayer, I, just, I guess I'm just going to just struggle. Well, you know, maybe you should try some different things first, you know, and, and uh, keep praying, but... Um, but you tend to just sit there and wait for the next moment to be zapped. Um, so it's good to think about, you know, your personal growth or your spiritual growth in terms of like physical growth, right? A baby that is born into the world takes time to grow, right? And sure, that child will go through a growth spurt, like, whoa, dude, you grew a bunch in the last six months, right? It's like, and then that can happen in our spiritual life, like where we just kind of make leaps and bounds, and then we just, wow. We settle out for a little bit, and God's doing stuff behind the scenes, okay? So, um, yeah, so with that, I just want to close with two words. Two words in relationship to this idea of spiritual formation. And there is a ton of stuff uh, out there uh, with spiritual formation. But I just want to come kind of close with two words, and one of them is essence, 
and the other one is reception, okay? And these are kind of two scholarly theological words, um, but I have, I have a quote, but it's not going to be up on the screen, um, by Dr. Stephen Martin, who teaches at Asbury Seminary and specializes in spiritual formation. He has overseen, um, uh, given counsel to several large denominations within, the, uh, within America, um, and so just a very wise teacher. And he simply says this, and I just want to give you some foundational truths, okay? And Because I, I think this first word, essence, is where it starts. And it's this. Essence is simply this. Is who the Lord has created you to be. And this is where I kind of want to come back to that fifth, uh, fifth problem where it rubs against our culture, um, against our do-it-yourself culture and a powerful need to be in control. Here's the thing. We can fall into that trap or even any of those other ones. Um, but coming back, because if you start to buy into that lie or the gratification culture that we live in, um, but if you're just all about making yourself and your identity is wrapped up in your job and all of this stuff, man, you're on a, you're on a slippery slope, okay? And, and your spirituality, your inner core of who you are will be kind of shaky, okay? So when those moments come, it's good to come back to the fact of like, whoa, 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 wait a second. I'm created in the image of God. God defines me, not the world. God defines me. Not my job, not my friends, not who people think or say that I am, but God defines me. And it just comes back to this idea of essence, is who the Lord has created you to be. And look, we could go off on tangents about how has he made you? What's your Enneagram number? How's, what's your personality? Are you introvert or extrovert? How do you fit within the body of Christ with your giftings? How do you fit in your job with your giftings? Okay, don't have, obviously have time to do that. Um, but it's simply coming back to the fact that that essence is who the Lord has created you to be. Biblically, essence precedes existence, right? Jeremiah 1.5, man, you know, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Those ideas within the Psalms that come out, okay? That this idea that the Lord has created, who has He created you to be? Um, so we have this, this knowledge that God knew us before we were in the womb. Okay, so this idea um, that God has uh, formed us, um, that, that man, we're His child, and that He's created us, man, is foundational, right? And then the second part of that is reception. He's given us the ability of reception. So God has given us the capacity of reception, and here it is, to be able to hear God's voice and follow it. Now, here's something that um, Dr. Stephen Martin says um, that I find fascinating about this statement. He says, and I want you to wrestle with this because I wrestled with it. Um, he says, reception is the greatest capacity God has given us. Think about that for a moment. There's a reason why I stayed silent for awkwardly for five seconds. <laughs> That's a huge statement. That is a huge statement for a guy to say reception is the greatest capacity that God has given us. When he made you as a living person in his image, part of that capacity that he has given each one of us is the ability for you to hear his voice whoa. So I just simply want to ask, man, is that true in your life? Is that something that's at the forefront of your mind? 
the forefront of your mind, like when you wake up in the morning, you kind of get your day going. Is it in the forefront of your mind that you have the ability, before you leave the house, this idea of reception, this idea of, God, what are you speaking to me today? I'm going into my job and I'm dealing with this and I have this issue. I have this employee or I have this manager I need to talk to. Lord, how do I do it? And are you conversing with him? Are you, uh, is there, does that even cross your mind? This idea of reception. Because if what Dr. Martin says is true, (laughs) then man, I think we really need to change some things up. Now, we can say, well, is this really a biblical principle? Is absolutely biblical. I think if we look at John 15, the amount of times, you know, where Paul says to this idea of walking in the Spirit, praying always, pray without ceasing, um, keep in step with the Spirit. I think that's what Paul's talking about is this idea that, man, you're just in constant communion with God. And again, it goes back to this idea of reception, okay? Last quote, and this will be up here. Um, the spiritual life, whoop, oh, the spiritual life that God calls you to live is based on what you receive from God, not on what you do for God, okay? Spiritual life that God calls you to live is based on what you receive from God, not what you do for God. Again, that that rubs against that number five. Our need to be in control, our identity is in who I am in my work or what other people say. Man, we need to rest in the fact that your spiritual life is based on what you receive from God, what his, his identity speaking over you and not what you do for him, okay? Not what you do for him. Otherwise, you'll just walk around feeling guilty all the time. You'll walk around with just this kind of dark cloud over your head all the time because you're just not doing enough. You're just not doing enough. You're just not doing enough. Man, I sat down, um, a lot of you know Ryan O'Malley. For some reason, for those of you that don't know, I did college ministries. I still do college ministry, but we've transitioned a lot. But I did college ministry uh, for 10 years here, and and, um, it was just, it was an amazing work of God. But for some reason, the last two years, I felt like I hadn't done enough. It was really, really weird because if I look back, I'm like, you know, honestly, in the first three years, I saw more than, than I'd seen in the last 10 years previous to in college. I mean, it was just, a, it was amazing to see the lives changed, saved, baptized, the whole nine yards, okay? But for some reason, I was just, I was just, man, I just feel like I hadn't done enough. And I sat with Ryan O'Malley. We were just catching up at Java Crew. I don't even know what I said uh, that sparked it, but he, I said something. It was kind of lighthearted because I remember having a smile on my face, and then I remember him looking at me with a smile, and he's like, do you feel, what, do, do you feel like you haven't done enough? And it, the presence of God came down in Java Crew, and I, I don't even know what he said, really. I just started crying, and he just laid into me, like in a good way. He just kind of leaned into me and said, dude, I saw what God did through you and in you, and when I showed up at Wednesday night, blah, 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 all this stuff, man, and I just started weeping. And it was just flat out, it was just the voice of God coming through Ryan saying, hey, dude, you've done enough. <laughs> it's, and as a matter of fact, it's not about what you've done, you know. And, and man, it was just this beautiful thing um, for, again, for me to realize that, man, it's not based on what I do for God, but it's who I am 
as his son. Okay? It's who I am as his son. So don't buy into the lie that, God, that, that the world defines you or that your job defines you. Okay? This existence is not what defines you. God defines you. You know, when you meet somebody, what's the first thing you ask them? Within the first three questions, it's what do you do? What's your job? Right? So the temptation is there. I mean, I still, to this day, I'll get people, hey, how you doing? And they'll notice my cauliflower ear and they immediately like, you wrestled. You're a wrestler. There they are. Within five seconds, your identity is in what you did in the past, which it's not. For those of you that know me, I don't like being called pastor because that's not who I am. That's my job title. But anytime that somebody calls me, this is Pastor Scott, I just kind of cringe. I'm like, just, just call me Scott. I don't, you know, because that's, that's a title. That's not who I am. I'm not Pastor Scott. Now, if somebody wants to be called that or call that, that's fine. It doesn't, that just, it's a personal thing for me. Okay, so I'll just say this again, that if, that if you are allowing your job or voices or the culture to define you, man, you're going to find yourself on a very slippery slope. You're going to find yourself with inner turmoil. And I think that what we need is to come back to these basic foundational truths of essence. That man, we're formed in the image of Christ. Go all the way back to Genesis. Man, we're made in the image of Christ. And, and we just need to receive the word that man, you are not your work. Your work, and I'll just kind of close with this. Your work is an extension of your relationship with Jesus. That's the way it should be. Your work is an extension of your relationship with Jesus, not the other way around. Not the other way around. Or like St. Augustine, I'll close with this. St. Augustine, who in the 4th or 5th century in his famous Easter sermon, said, you are what you receive. You are what you receive. And so I pray, I'm just going to pray. I pray in Jesus' name that you would receive the Father's image of a son or a daughter this morning, that you would receive that, that before you were born, he in, it came out of the womb, he formed you, and that you are not your work. The world does not define you. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would break off any lies over people right now that are watching this, that are allowing themselves to be defined by what they've done in the past, what they're doing currently. Um, Jesus, and I pray that you would put your stamp of approval on them as a son or a daughter um, of the Most High God. In Jesus' name, amen.